Good day, everyone. Welcome to Learning Bible Truth. I am your host and teacher, Dr. Kamala D., here to take you on a tour of the Bible by reading entire books, not just one scripture of the Bible. And I will be sharing commentary with you while we read line upon line and precept upon precept of every scripture. Since you won't take the time to study and show yourself approved before God, I am bringing the scriptures to you. So get your Bibles, take out pen and paper, invite family and friends, take notes, and let's learn Bible truth. Good day, everyone. I hope this day finds you and your family well. This is Dr. Kamala D. Now, we are continuing to explore and examine writings by Old Testament prophets. So today we will be touring and examining the writings of the prophet Obadiah. Now, the good thing about Obadiah, it is one chapter, but it is a very powerful chapter. Now, the superscription of Obadiah's writings identifies the genre as a vision, a prophetic revelation from God spoken through his prophet Obadiah. Unfortunately, the only thing known about this prophet is his name, a common one in the Old Testament, which means one who serves God. Now, the Hebrew word for God is Yahweh. Okay. Now, it is unlikely that he is the same Obadiah as the official over Ahab's household in 1 Kings chapter 18, verses 3 through 16, if I'm not mistaken, 19th century BC. For the writings of Obadiah seems to have been written after the fall of Jerusalem in 586 BC. Now, because the superscription gives no chronological information, readers can infer only the approximate time of the prophet from the book's content. Suggested dates range from very early 850 BC to very late 400 BC. Since the book presents the fall of Jerusalem as a past event, which is in verse 11, and the fall of Edom as a future event, a probable date would be after 586 BC which is the destruction of Jerusalem by Babylon. And before 553 BC, Babylon's campaign against Edom. Therefore, the most likely situation is the first half of the Babylonian exile. The place of writing is Jerusalem. On the one hand, Edom, together with all other nations that oppose Israel's God, and his people will experience God's retributive judgment. On the other hand, God's own covenant people who have already experienced God's judgment will receive restoration from their God. The book ends with the promise of the kingdom of God. Obadiah exhibits numerous parallels with other Old Testament texts, especially Jeremiah's Edom prophecy, which is in Jeremiah chapter 49, verses 7 through 22. 
I want you guys to write down these scriptures that I call out so that you can study them later. Okay. Essentially, the message of Obadiah spells out what Lamentations 422 announces. Restoration for Zion, but doom for Edom. Now, the Jerusalemites experienced God's judgment in Obadiah 16. We will get there when I finally start reading the chapter. When enemies invaded and, and cast lots for Jerusalem, which is in verse 11, okay, the Edomites, the descendants of Jacob's brother Esau and one of Israel's neighbors to the southeast should have assisted their brothers during the Babylonian crisis. Instead, they sided with the foreign invaders and even took advantage of Israel's misfortune. Holy Zion had been profaned and God's people were put to public shame. Edom felt secure in spite of its complicity in Israel's demise. For all intents and purposes, it looked as though Edom and the foreign nations were in charge, ruling over the future of Israel. Mm -mm -mm. No, not so. The book of Lamentations reveals the extent to which Israel was devastated by the exile politically, economically, and theologically. Mm -mm. But God, hallelujah, looked and said, does Israel have a future? Will Zion be profaned forever? Will the plan for Abraham's offspring to bring blessing to the world come to nothing? Will Edom and the hostile nations triumph? Is God indifferent to all of this? Into this bleak situation, the prophet Obadiah proclaimed the word of God. The first half of Obadiah, verses 1 through 15, addresses Edom with you singular. The prophet announces coming judgment against Edom and warns Edom to desist from its anti-Judaite hostility before it is too late, before the day of the Lord comes against all nations. The standard of the judgment will be strict justice. Now, the second half of Obadiah, which is verses 16 through 21, addresses the people of Jerusalem with you being plural in verse 16. You on my holy mountain. Here, the prophet gives hope to God's people who were attacked and damaged with the good news of the future great reversal. On the terrible day of the Lord, the hostile nations will receive God's judgment. I've mentioned this to you guys before. You think people and nations and presidents and kings are getting away with how they are treating people? No, they're not. But those in Zion will be saved and Zion will be holy. We will read that in verses 16 and 17 once I start reading the chapter. All Israel will be reunited and given the promised land and victory over Edom. Now, the last line expresses God's ultimate goal to establish his kingly reign over all the earth. That's in the very last verse, which is verse 21. Now, we're going to look at uh, a couple of themes of Obadiah. One, enemies will be put to shame because of their enmity against God's people. Two, 
every proud human effort at self-security will ultimately fail before God's coming judgment. Three, God's retributive justice is strict and fair with the punishment corresponding to the misdeeds. Four, reunited Israel will experience God's deliverance, possess the promised land and defeat and rule over Edom. And five, in the future, God will definitively manifest his kingly rule. Now, Edom is the target of Obadiah's prophecy of doom because it exemplifies hostility toward God's people. The Edomites took delight in bringing disaster to Jerusalem. Even though Jerusalem fell for its unfaithfulness, and even though Edom was one of God's tools for bringing judgment, the Lord has tied himself to his people and will punish those who hurt them. Eventually, Jerusalem will be restored and its blessings will extend to the Gentiles, us. Now, the primary genre of Obadiah is prophecy. And as is customary to prophecy, the predictions of the future are couched in oracles of judgment and an oracle of salvation or deliverance. The oracles of judgment against Edom are examples of satire with discernible objects of attack and a satiric norm by which Edom and other nations are criticized. So first we are going to look at through verses one through four. I will be reading from the ESV today and it doesn't matter which version of the Bible you have. In the end, we will end up in the same place. And the reason I always share that is because you may have different wordings in your version, but they should mean the same thing. So are you in Obadiah? It only has one chapter and I am beginning at verse one, the vision of Obadiah. Thus says the Lord God concerning Edom. We have heard a report from the Lord and a messenger who is Obadiah, has been sent among the nations. Rise up, let us rise against her for battle. Her is referring to a nation. Verse two, behold, I will make you small among the nations. You shall be utterly despised. Verse three, the pride of your heart has deceived you. You who live in the clefts of the rock, in your lofty dwelling, who say in your heart, who will bring me down to the ground? Verse four, though you soar aloft like the eagle, though your nest is set among the stars, from there I will bring you down, declares the Lord. The Lord is speaking through his prophet Obadiah to Edom, telling him just because you build your nation sitting up high on the rock doesn't mean I can't bring you down to the ground. Verse five, if thieves came to you, if plunderers came by night, how you have been destroyed. Would they not steal only enough for themselves? If grape gatherers came to you, would they not leave gleanings? Verse six, how Esau has been pillaged, his treasures sought out. Verse seven, all your allies have driven you to your border. Those at peace with you have deceived you. 
they have prevailed against you. Those who eat your bread have set a trap beneath you. You have no understanding. Now, let me try to ex explain some of this. Normally, thieves and grape gatherers leave something behind. In contrast, Edom will be thoroughly plundered with nothing remaining is what Obadiah is trying to tell them because of what they did to God's people. Just as Edom acted as a thief, so its own hidden treasures will be resacked, meaning it will be destroyed. It will be pillaged or sought out. That means in the prophetic perfect, speaking about a future e event as though it had already been completed. Esau is used as a substitute name for Edom, okay, and evokes the Jacob Esau narratives. I want you to write down Deuteronomy chapter two and five so that you can read more about Edom and Esau uh, and Jacob and Esau. Uh, Jeremiah 49 verses eight through 10, Malachi chapter one through um, and verses three through four. And according to Genesis 36, Esau was the father of the Edomites, okay? Now verse seven talks about in past tense verbs, it speaks about a future event as though it, it, it were already completed. And just as Edom betrayed its own brother, Jacob, yes, Jacob was Edom's brother. So Edom's own allies will turn against it. Now, in the most likely historical setting, this would be a reference to the Babylonians in verse 11. In 553 BC, Babylon campaigned against Edom. Now, during the subsequent Persian um, period, Edom's land was settled by the Nabataeans. Now, those who eat your bread is a term for allies, since covenants and pacts were often sealed by covenant meals. Now let's resume uh, reading verse eight. Will I not on that day, declares the Lord, destroy the wise men out of Edom. Edom was known to have wise men, a lot of wise men there, and understanding out of Mount Esau. Verse nine, and your mighty men shall be dismayed, O Teman, so that every man from Mount Esau will be cut off by the slaughter. Now, let me explain verse, verse eight and nine a little bit. On that day synchronizes with and anticipates the day of the Lord. Um, neither Edom's political acumen nor its military strength can provide national security. Now, Teman is the name of a grandson of Esau. And you can read about that in Genesis chapter 36, verses nine through 11. Here, it refers uh, either to Edom as a whole or its Southern region, just as the Edomites cut off Judah's fugitives in Obadiah 14, so the Edomites will be cut off as well. Now, Mount Esau is another name for Eden. Now, let's pick up at verses 10, 11, and 12. Verse 10, because of the violence done to your brother Jacob, shame shall cover you, and you shall be cut off forever. Verse 11, on the day that you stood aloof, on the day that strangers carried off his wealth, 
whose wealth? His brother Jacob's wealth. And foreigners entered his gates and cast lots for Jerusalem. You were like one of them. He literally helped the foreigners invade his brother's nation. Okay, verse 12. But do not gloat over the day of your brother in the day of his misfortune. Do not rejoice over the people of Judah in the day of their ruin. Do not boast in the day of distress. Verse 13. Do not enter the gate of my people in the day of their calamity. Do not gloat over his disaster in the day of his calamity. Do not loot his wealth in the day of his calamity. Verse 14. Do not stand at the crossroads to cut off his fugitives. Do not hand over his survivors in the day of distress. Now, let me explain verses 10 through 14, and then we will pick up at verse 15. Just as Esau pursued Jacob in Genesis 27, 33, so Edom did violence against Judah. And instead of coming to the aid of their brother Jacob, the Edomites acted like the foreign invaders, which were the Babylonians. Now, by having cast lots for Jerusalem, the Babylonians treated Jerusalem, who was God's holy mountain. And we will read that in Obadiah um, verse 16, like a commodity to be contested. You can cross reference this with Jeremiah 51, 51, Joel 3 and 3. And we, and we read about that in Joel and Nehemiah chapter 3, verse 10. You shall be cut off forever. Those who harm God's people, and I cannot say this enough, will eventually be destroyed. Okay. On the day, on, on the day that you stood aloof, you were like one of them rebukes the Edomites. Not for actively doing wrong, but for failing to do right, for failing to give military support to neighboring Jerusalem when it was wrongly attacked. God doesn't like injustice, people. Now, these verses spell out Edom's deeds of violence. Uh, they were gloating over Judah's demise, looting, capturing fleeing fugitives and delivering them up to the slave trade. The Edomites took advantage of Judah's plight during the Babylonian crisis. I want you to read Psalms chapter 137, verse 7, Lamentations chapter 4, verses 21 and 22, Ezekiel chapter 25, verses 12 through 14, Ezekiel 35, verse 1, and Ezekiel 37, verse 7. If I studied all of these people, you need to study all of them. That's why I refuse to read all of those cross references because I want you to read them. But instead of past tense verbal statements, Obadiah 12, 14 is written in the form of warnings with eight prohibitions in the form of do not. Now, Edom should cease its anti-Judaite hostilities before it is too late. Now, reconciliation was still available to Edom. I want you to read Genesis chapter 33. Read the entire chapter. Do not hand over his survivors. Apparently, Edomites were capturing Judaite survivors and turning them over to the Babylonian authorities. Now, on Edom's involvement in slave trade, I want you to read the prophet Amos chapter 1, verses 6 through 9. Now, let us pick up at verse 15. 
for the day of the Lord is near upon all the nations. As you have done, it shall be done to you. Your deeds shall return on your head. Verse 16, for as you have drunk on my holy mountain, so all the nations shall drink continually. They shall drink and swallow and shall be as though they had never been. Verse 17, but in Mount Zion, there shall be those who escape and it shall be holy and the house of Jacob shall possess their own possessions. Verse 18, the house of Jacob shall be a fire and the house of Joseph a flame and the house of Esau stubble. They shall burn them and consume them and there shall be no survivor from the house of Esau for the Lord has spoken. Now let me bring these scriptures to life. Now the Edomites should discontinue their enmity against God's people because for the day of God's universal judgment is near. The day of the Lord is a term for events that especially vindicate God's character and purposes. I want you guys to read Exodus chapter 32, verse 34, Deuteronomy chapter 31, verses 16 through 19, and Deuteronomy chapter 32, verses 35 through 38 for background information. Now, the term the day of the Lord can be used for near-term judgments on God's own people. I want you to cross-reference this with Amos chapter 5, verses 18 through 27. Now, the exile of Israel and Zephaniah chapter 1, verse 7 through 14, if I'm not mistaken, which is the fall of Jerusalem, or on nations that oppress them. I want you to read Isaiah chapter 13, verse 6, the punishment of Babylon. Now, as well as for events far off with universal significance, I want you to read Malachi chapter four, verses one through five. The New Testament applies the term day of the Lord to the return of the Lord Jesus Christ in his glory. I want you to read first Corinthians chapter one, verse eight, second Peter chapter three and verse 10. Now, on the theme of the day of the Lord, I want you to read Amos chapter 5, verse 18 and 20. See also the day of the Lord in the prophets. Now, when Obadiah says, as you have done, the judgment will be based on God's retributive justice. Prophetic judgment texts typically reflect this standard. Now, the correspondence between misdeeds and punishment shows the punishment to be appropriate, fair, and deserved. Now, many prophetic texts like this one view the nations as enemies of Israel's God and rebellious creatures outside of the saving covenant. Now, in store for them is the all-consuming wrath of their holy creator and judge. That is God, the creator of the heavens and the earth, okay? He will exact judgment on his people's enemies. Other prophetic texts contemplate nations coming to Zion and enjoying fellowship with Israel's God. I want you guys to cross-reference this and read this, okay? Don't just write it down. I want you to read these chapters and verses. Isaiah chapter 25, verses 6 through 9. 
Isaiah 45, verse 22, and Micah chapter 4, verses 1 through 4. Now, when Obadiah said, as you have drunk, he is talking about a common biblical metaphor experiencing God's wrath is likened to getting drunk on wine that does not bring joy, but pain and destruction. I also want you guys to cross-reference this with Isaiah chapter 51, verses 17 through 23, Jeremiah chapter 25, verses 15 through 29. Take your time and read these things. Took me a week to study all of this. Ezekiel chapter 23, verses 31 through 34. And yes, Revelation chapter 14, verse 10. Jesus refers to this cup in Gethsemane um, in Matthew 26, 39 through 42. Now, the people of Jerusalem, meaning you as plural, drank the cup of God's wrath when Babylon attacked. And that's in Obadiah 11. We read that. In the future day of the Lord, the hostile nations will have to drink the cup. I want you guys to read Jeremiah chapter 49 and verse 12 and Lamentation chapter 4, verse 21. Now, on Mount Zion, it is the place where God dwelt among and for his people. Those gathered around his presence and taking refuge in him will be delivered from the coming wrath. Read Isaiah chapter 14, verse 32. Now, in principle, Zion's blessings were available to Gentiles as well. Back then, yes, back then. I want you guys to read 1 Kings chapter 8, verse 41 through 43. Isaiah chapter 2, verses 2 through 4. B.C. Zion was a foretaste of A.D. Zion. I want you guys to read Hebrews chapter 12, verse 22. All those gathered around the new and greater temple, God in the flesh, John chapter 2, verse 19 and 21, their own possessions is a reference to the promised land as clarified in Obadiah 19 and 20. And we will get there in a few seconds. Okay. Verse 18 talks about a reunited Israel with a defeated Edom. I want you guys to cross-reference this with Ezekiel 25, verse 14, and Ezekiel 37, verses 15 through 28. Now, I hope you guys are getting something from this, okay? Now, let's pick up at verse 19 and close this out at verse 21. Verse 19, those of the Negev shall possess Mount Esau. And those of the Shephelah shall possess the land of the Philistines. They shall possess the land of Ephraim and the land of Samaria. And Benjamin shall possess Gilead. Verse 20. The exiles of this host of the people of Israel shall possess the land of the Canaanites as far as the Zarephath. And the exiles of Jerusalem who are in Shepherd shall possess the cities of the Negebs. Now, verse 21. Saviors shall go up to Mount Zion to rule Mount Esau and the kingdom shall be the Lord's. Now, that is the end of Obadiah. But what I want to do is give you guys a little bit more understanding of verses 19 through 21. Now, all of Israel, including the exiles far away, will regain the full extent of the promised land, both west and east of the Jordan. 
much of which was lost over the years. Now, the Negev is the, uh, the desert in the far south, particularly south of Beersheba. Now, Esau is the east. The Philistines are the west. Gilead is also the east, and Zarephath is far north, a city on the Phoenician coast between Tyre and Sidon. I want you to read 1 Kings verse 17. The B.C. promised land because an image for the new and greater promised land, the new creation, which we read in Hebrews eleven sixteen. On Israel's possessing Edom, I want you guys to see Numbers 24, 18. These are God's promises. We have to remember, it doesn't matter how often Israel turned its back on God. When God makes a promise, he doesn't go back on his promise. So even though Israel wasn't 100% right in worshiping God because they turned and started worshiping idol gods, God still promised to protect Israel and promised certain lands to Israel. Okay. He promised certain lands to different nations. So God in the end will get all of this in order. So on Israel possessing Edom, like I said, I want you to read Numbers 24, 18 and Amos chapter nine, verse 12. The location of the Shepherd is debated, but the most likely place is Sardis in Western Turkey. God's people exiled to the furthest regions will return to possess the land that had been taken from them. Now, when Obadiah in, in chapter 21 says saviors, okay, those appointed by God to deliver the people and bring just governance, that is who the saviors are. The Lord has always been the king over the nations. But here the prophet promises the future, a definitive manifestation of God's kingly rule from Mount Zion, talking about Jerusalem. That end time um, is a redemptive reign will be inaugurated by the ministry, death and resurrection of Jesus, the Messiah. I want you guys to read Matthew uh, chapter 12, verse 28 and consummated at his coming in glory which is talked about in Matthew 25 and 34. Some of these prophecies prophesied by Obadiah haven't come to pass yet. But I want to bring all of this, um, the entire chapter of Obadiah to, to light. So let me bring verses 1 through 21 to life. Okay. Now, thus was a formulaic expression among the prophets, indicating that the prophet reports God's own speech. Whenever you hear a prophet saying, thus says the Lord, that means he is repeating exactly verbatim what God told him to say. Now, the prophet, as the, the called and sent messenger of the Lord God, introduces the divine speech that begins in verses two. But first, Obadiah provides background information. The nations are now being recruited by God to rise up against Edom. Now, God, through his prophet, begins to address Edom. Prophetic discourse uh, typically personifies a nation as a collective unity. Now, Edom is insignificant among the nations and, in fact, is despised. Now, just as Edom gloated over Judah, 
in verses 12 and 13, so other nations hold it in contempt. Now, this is said in contrast to Edom's own pride. The Edomites dwell in the mountainous region east of the Araba, not Arabia, Araba, with elevations up to 5,000 feet above sea level. Now, their inaccessibility location has given them false hopes of invulnerability. Now, normally a rhetorical question expects no answer, but God answers it. When Obadiah said in verses three and four, who will bring me down to the ground? I will bring you down. God opposes the proud and arrogant. Okay, I want you to read Proverbs 15 and 25 and James 4 and 6. Now, though your nest is set among the stars, is a hyperbole even for eagles. Okay, now Obadiah mentioned in verses 5 and 6, normally thieves and grape gatherers leave something behind. In contrast, Edom will be thoroughly plundered with nothing remaining, meaning nothing left behind. Just as Edom acted as a thief in verse 13, so its own hidden treasures will be ransacked and destroyed. Now that is the entire purpose of Obadiah's message to Edom and Esau. This is what happens when you mess with God's people. He will get his revenge. Now, I hope you guys learned something from this very important message. Don't mess with God's people. <laughs> that is the moral of this story. Do not mess with God's people. So next week, we will continue to explore the Old Testament, writings of the Old Testament prophets. And I think next week is going to be a mini series, possibly a four episode series or either a five episode series. And no, I am not going to tell you which prophet I am going to be reading about, but I will give you a hint. It is about the end times that everyone is scared of. So when I do read a lot of those scriptures, we will be referencing scriptures in the book of Revelation, yes. So until then, you guys know we are still in this pandemic. If you have to go out in public like I did this morning, wear your mask, keep your distance at six to eight feet apart. So until next time, saints, peace out. All right. I hope you were enlightened by this message. If you have any questions or comments about this episode, please send your questions to trustgod 55 dot cd at gmail.com or you can send me a direct message by clicking on the message button located on my podcast anchor spotify breaker google podcast and radio public and submit your remarks you can also support my podcast financially by accessing all my podcasts and clicking on the support this podcast button Whatever you choose to donate will be greatly appreciated. I am praying for God to give you a return on your seed. Praise God. In 2 Corinthians chapter 9, verse 6, the Apostle Paul says, as it relates to sowing a seed, But this I say, he who sows sparingly will also reap sparingly, and he who sows bountifully will also reap bountifully. Hallelujah. 
Now, God will give you a return on your seed as long as you sow your seed in good ground with a cheerful heart. The key is having a cheerful heart. Now, until next time, brothers and sisters, faith comes by hearing and hearing by the word of God. We walk by faith, not by what we see. I am your host and teacher, Dr. Kamala D., rightly dividing the word of truth in peace and love. I thank you for tuning in and I hope to see you next time.